You see them often, maybe every day, maybe far less often. They open your car doors at carpool. They wave hello as you drive in. They teach classes, they coach, advise, they lead, they write, they inspire. They keep the facilities humming, the bills paid, the food served hot and delicious, and so much more. But how much do we really know about each other? Everyone here at Shadyside Academy has a story, and in learning other stories, we can create a more connected and inclusive community. I'm Chad Green, Dean of Student and Residential Life at the Senior School. And I'm Lauren Lieberman, Director of College Counseling. Welcome to Beyond Hello, a podcast production bringing you stories from the people who shape our community. What did you think, Chad? What did you think of, of our conversation with Claire today? Well, it was fun to be part of the interviewing process. That was different for me, for sure. And a little bit challenging that we are doing this, that we recorded this over Zoom, each of us in our respective homes, because we are now, we're on the, we're right at the end of our spring break, quote unquote, which, which really has not been our typical spring break at all, obviously, because of what's happening in the world with COVID-19. Um, but all things considered, I, I thought that it went, went really well. And Claire, we knew was going to be, would have lots of great stories, as you said, and, and, and she did. And it's interesting, as well as I've gotten to know her over the past few months, obviously, there's still so much more. So it was fun to hear more about her backstory and kind of what she's what's what she's thinking about yeah I agree I um I think you know when I was listening to her talk one of the things that will really stick with me and I think we're all in this mode right now during this coronavirus time of mindset shifts and whether it's sort of thinking you were pre-med and shifting to something else, or um, I really loved the way that she talked about the technology piece and the thing that we spend the most time kind of poo-pooing as, as often as parents, as educators, this like everybody's obsessed with their technology. Well, technology is now saving us. I mean, this is how we're connecting. This is how we're forging forward. And um, I really liked that as an example of, of a mindset shift, but all the other ways that she talked about these different aspects that are part of mindset shift. And it's so uncomfortable in the shift, but um, it, I think it's really neat to think about and this time at home and quarantine and no school and no activities. I think is giving us sort of forcing us to, to really reflect and have some of those shifts. Right. Yeah, I actually, I mean, of the things that I wrote down, I, I wrote in big, huge, you know, cap letters, I wrote intentionality. And it was right, it was right at the point where she was talking about the technology component, because I, so all of this technology is here, and has been here. And we've, we, as she mentioned, we're often critiquing it in terms of the mindlessness behind a lot of the usage of it, you know, or so the, the the easy default setting that we all go into and that certainly that we critique our, our high school students for falling into. But when you bring a kind of, to use a 
term that's been on my mind lately, a more of a beginner's mindset to, um, to the experience of using it. I mean, it really does come down to, you can be in person with people and not really be there. Right. And it's the same with technology. So I think it's forcing us to consider that it, the nature of, you know, how, how do we use technology with intention rather than just kind of fall into using it as it, I mean, so much of it is designed to kind of lead us in various directions, right? In terms of consumption, I think. So it's just interesting to see how it's playing out when we really are now relying on it in a, in a, in a way that, that feels much more significant to me. Yeah, and it's, it's odd to feel like that story is being written every day. And right. it's, we're actively in that, in that, so. Right, right. Cool. Well, anything else you want to touch on? Um, I mean, I, I really loved what she said about kindness and um, the power of education. And um, I like that that's sort of where she left us as we head into our distance learning and, um, you know, what education looks like when it's totally disrupted. I think um, I'll be thinking about that certainly in the weeks to come. Yeah. Okay. Good morning and welcome to episode three of Beyond Hello. We are recording this episode from our homes and we are so happy to have with us today our guest, Claire Logston. Claire, welcome to Beyond Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. It's exciting. It is exciting. So Claire, you are a relative newcomer to Shadyside Academy. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do here. So yes, I started at Shadyside this summer um, and I am the Dean of Studies. Um, a lot of people don't seem to always know what that is. So I do a lot of saying I'm the new Ms. Crowland and then people know what that means. Um, but I work with faculty on uh, curriculum and academic programs and kind of how the academic side of things works at the school. And then I also work with students, um, particularly students who are having some difficulty academically as we kind of try to support them and strategize with them about being successful at Shadyside. Okay, and um, you teach as well, right? I do, I teach one section of US history. Great, and tell us a little bit about your journey to Shadyside. How did you, how did you get here? Yeah, so I started teaching in 2004 and I was a US history teacher at the beginning and then I started teaching um, AP US government. I taught economics for a year. I taught world civilizations at one point. Um, and at the school that I worked at in Atlanta, the, there were opportunities to be kind of the equivalent of a form dean. We called it a grade level dean. Um, and so I became a grade level dean and was still teaching part time. 
um, while I was there. And I really loved the opportunity to kind of think about how schools work beyond just what I was seeing in my classroom. Um, but I didn't have a degree in education. I, you know, a lot of independent school teachers have a degree in their subject area. I had a degree in history. So I went to grad school. I did a one-year grad school program in educational leadership. Um, then I went to Texas and I, um, my role shifted. I was just teaching one class of um, AP government at that point, And I was an upper school dean there. Um, that's kind of the um, equivalent of a combined dean of students, college counselor. So I worked with students through all four years of high school. Um, and I did academic advising. I did some social emotional stuff. But when they got into 11th and 12th grade, I became their college counselor. And I really loved that opportunity to get to know students over their entire career at the school and we kept siblings together. So I got to know families really well, but I realized, um, you know, maybe a year and a half ago that my passion was not college counseling. Um, I really liked doing it, um, but it wasn't what I saw myself doing for the rest of my life. And then I sort of had this like crisis of like, well, what do I see myself doing for the rest of my life? Um, and I started looking at jobs and um, the shady side job was one of the first ones that I saw and it looked kind of perfect to me. Um, I think a lot of academic dean type positions at schools are looking for people who have more experience, like formally building curriculum or working on like that harder um, core academic side, like a department chair might be a more appropriate position to go into this kind of role at some other schools. Um, but it felt like this job at Shadyside was really focused on building um, relationships and making connections. And, um, and those were things that I felt like um, were really important to me in whatever job that I was interested in. So um, I applied for it, even though I wasn't sure that I was what they were looking for. Um, and I knew Shadyside, you know, from there, Shadyside has a reputation, a good reputation nationally. Um, I actually knew that I had heard really good things about the college counseling office at Shadyside. Thanks, um, they had Claire. Been it's true. It's true. They had been really active on like access listservs that I had been on, professional listservs and at conferences. And I'd heard good things about them. Um, and um, as I was interviewing for the job, I still was like not sure that I was what they were looking for, but it felt like it felt right. It felt like what I wanted to, to be doing. Um, more academic, less college counseling -y, still got to teach a class. That was really important to me. Um, and I also, uh, it mattered to me that the people that I was going to be working with felt like people that I could learn and grow from because this wasn't a job that I had done before. And so that kind of leadership team in the senior school at Shadyside felt really good. And Ms. Lau felt like somebody that I could really learn from um, and who would mentor me. So, um, so that's how I got here. Great. What a, what a journey. Um, and it's clear in listening to you talking that you are feeling good about this move. What, what are maybe one or two things that you have loved most about being at Shadyside so far? Or can you tell us about any moments that have come to your mind where you thought, yes, like this is what I should be doing right now? Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, you never know when you go to another school, like, are kids the same everywhere? Or like, did I have these connections with students? At, my, at Holy Innocence in Atlanta, and then at Kincaid in Houston, and like, am I going to be able to replicate that? Do people, do kids still like 
think that I am somebody that they can talk to and are they still fun to be around? And so um, particularly, you know, the group that I've gotten to know best is those students who are on academic warning, um, but also the, the 14 kids in my um, U.S. history class. And from the very beginning, I have felt um, like the kids at Shadyside are one of the best things going for the school. Um, you know, no person, no human is perfect, but um, I feel like they care about the school. They care about the mission of the school. They um, are funny um, and they want to, um, they want to welcome a new person in. So that has been a real highlight for me. Um, and I will also say like my hope that the like administrative team that I'm working with you know, my hope that they were going to be good people to, um, to help me on this journey has been accurate. So um, I have felt uh, like uh, though the people, both adults and students, are really what um, has made this year really great so far. Excellent. Well, as somebody who's also relatively new to the community, I think that was also true from, from in my experience. Let's take a step back for a minute and I want to ask you about sort of Claire Logston, the student. So what were you like in, you know, <laughs> as you think back when you were in elementary, middle or, or high school? So I was um, a person and I, you know, as a teacher, you often see things in your students and you're like, oh boy, that person is me, you know, for better or for worse. Right. And I was a person who um, my identity was very much tied up in that I was a good student. Um, and so that was important to me that I was, um, I went to a big, you know, public high school, um, you know, well, from um, first grade all the way um, through, I went to public schools. And um, there were people in my schools most of the way who didn't care so much about school or whose identity was tied up in athletics or, or um, the arts or something else. But I very much defined myself as like, I am a good student. Um, now, part of the downside of that is when you define yourself as a good student, when there are obstacles that come in your way and you are not at the top of the class in something, I was very bad about asking for help um, in those situations. So in 11th grade and 12th grade, I went to a boarding school. Um, it's a public boarding school, so it was free for my family, which was really important for us, um, in North Carolina called the North Carolina School of Science and Math. And you had to take the SAT and you had to take placement tests and it was a school for academically you know, gifted students. And I went from my big public high school where I was making all A's and A pluses and was near the top of my class to this place where I was surrounded by other, you know, I use the term nerd. I own that term. Um, other term. nerds um, who had had better preparation than me and, and who did better than me. And I made several C's while I was at science and math and I never went to teachers for extra help. Um, I believed that I could like push through and persevere and you know, I, I could do it. And um, in retrospect, that's something that I um, think most shady side kids are really good about asking for help and getting support from teachers. And it turns out then you get better and you learn and you grow. And, um, and it took me a long time to learn how to do that. Um, yeah. Right. Right. Well, <clears throat> I feel like the kids at Shadyside, you're, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, that, that, that they feel 
largely maybe comfortable in asking for help. I do think we still have kids who struggle, but mm -hmm. certainly the culture is one where um, that's being modeled, that behavior is being modeled um, quite a bit. Did you, was there a teacher in your, in your experience as a student that made a particular kind of impact or did you have a favorite teacher at any point? Yeah, well, when I look back, the teacher that I think had the biggest impact was my 12th grade history teacher. So at science and math, we took a lot of science and a lot of math, but we still took foreign language and humanities classes. But senior year, most of the humanities classes were a combined English history class. You had two teachers in the classroom. Um, and so uh, my two teachers, the English teacher was Mr. Woodmansey and the history teacher was Ms. Skidmore. And Ms. Skidmore was the first history teacher that I had who really um, but was passionate about the subject and made me fall in love with history. Um, and um, I, I went to science and math. And so we, I had been told that I was really good at science and math. And that is why I had gone to the school. But I think what it turns out is, is that I was just a good student and there wasn't like a North Carolina school of history and um you know, English. And so I, when I went to college, like many people, I was sure that I was going to be a doctor and I was pretty mad. Um, and I took all of these science classes uh, and it turned out that I was actually not, that was not my strength. But because Ms. Skidmore had, um, you know, made me really um, interested in history, my freshman year, I also took a one semester class on U.S. history from 1877 to the present. Um, and that was, um, I loved that class. And so I then took another history class. And then when the pre-med thing wasn't working out so well, I um, was doing really well in these history classes. And so that turned into what I majored in. Um, and, you know, any teacher knows that like any correspondence you get from a past student saying, oh my gosh, you had this great impact on my life is like the lifeblood of why we do this job. So um, I did reach out to Ms. Skidmore a couple of years ago. She now works at the Holocaust Museum as an educator, wow. which I think is probably an incredible Amazing. job for her um, and told her what an impact she'd had on me. And she wrote me a very nice email back and was like, of course, I remember you and blah, blah, blah. But that's um, great. Yeah. Well, you, so you make reference to a couple of different points where maybe things didn't um, you weren't able to meet your own expectations or things didn't go as well as maybe, as maybe you had expected them to go. Mm -hmm. um, maybe because of a preparation gap, other mm -hmm. reasons. What, you know, is there a particular time where you feel like you really experienced a failure that was tough or where you questioned yourself? Maybe it's related to, to those experiences or some, some other time. Yeah. Well, I can talk about that sort of experience of realizing that science wasn't what I should major in in college. Um, you know, so I went in and I took calculus my first semester at Duke and I took general chemistry and, um, you know, I, the next term I took another uh, chemistry class and it was all going okay. And then sophomore year I took um, organic chemistry and that went really badly. And it was like, I couldn't, in organic chemistry, you know, and there are shady side students taking it now. Um, there, it's it's um, it's really three D. Like they give you these models, and you're supposed to like put together the atom and then like move it around and imagine it from different angles. And I could not do that. 
and also, as we've learned, I, I, I couldn't ask for help. So it was like me and my friends who were also in it, like trying to bumble through it. And it went really badly and I got a C and I was like, well, maybe this isn't the career for me. Maybe I'm not going to be a doctor. But at no point did I think like, what do I love to do? Maybe I should do that. Like I thought, well, if I can't be a doctor, then my next plan was that I was going to be a nurse practitioner and I was going to be a nurse midwife and I was going to help women have babies. That was my new plan. So then the second semester of sophomore year, I took biology because you still have, you were going to have to have that. That went equally badly. I got another seat. And I remember sitting in that lecture hall and the, the, you know, it was one of those like 150 person lecture halls and the professor was writing on the like whiteboard projector, you know, I don't know thing and changing colors. And there, you know, he'd be writing in red and then he would like, there'd be another bullet point and he'd change to blue and you could hear all the way around the room, the people who had the pen with the four color inks with the clicky and you would hear everybody change to the blue ink to like write in the blue ink. And I had this moment where I was like, this isn't for me either. Like learning this, memorizing this thing where now I am changing the ink color because the professor changed the ink color. And also that class didn't go well for me. Um, so then I was like, what am I going to do? You know, because I think there's, a, there's um, I would call it a failure because I at no point in those sort of up until age 19 or 20 or whatever, like thought, what are you good at and what do you love to do? And um, I had started working at a summer program called the Duke Tip program that I had gone to as a student. It is a nerd camp. It is my, my people. Um, and I really liked working with like middle and high school aged kids. And I really liked these history classes. And um, you know, something that I think shady side kids who don't major in engineering or business or the sciences will find when they get to college is this like, um, well, I'm going to go to Duke so that I can be a teacher and make, you know, however many small number of thousands of dollars a year. But I just at that point had to be like, well, well, this is what I like. And hopefully a career is going to come out of this. And here I go. Right. Um, so it, it worked out, but it maybe took a little longer for me to get there than it could have. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but or maybe that was supposed to be thankfully, right? Yeah. Yeah. And thankfully it's happening because you know you are an awesome teacher and I'm sure that you are going to eventually, if you haven't already, be the recipient of of maybe a similar uh letter from a former student, yeah. right? Um yeah. who reaches out. Uh well obviously you're not helping women give birth right now. Right. Uh, career-wise, maybe, yes. maybe, and not a, not as a side gig either. Um, nope. But is there something that you're doing now that you didn't think you'd be doing even just a few years ago? Um, yeah. I might pivot on this and talk about something not professional, if that is yeah, okay perfect. in this perfect. context. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I think I am really lucky in that once I started teaching, I was like, this is what I am supposed to do. And I have found my thing. And it, it took me a long time to call it a career because that felt like really formal and official. But, um, but I, there are so many people out there who don't ever find the thing that they love doing or it takes them a long time and there's a rocky road getting there. So I felt really lucky that like um, 
teaching and being an educator and working in schools, I feel very much like is the, the right place for me. Um, but on the like sort of personal side of things, um, something I'm doing that I didn't think I would be doing, like I didn't see Pittsburgh in my future um, at any point in my life. I had never visited Pittsburgh before I came um, to interview at Shadyside. Um, and I've made choices in my career to follow what I felt like was the best job, not to be in the place that I thought I was supposed to be. Um, and I recognize that that is partially because I'm not married. I don't have kids. I, there are constraints that other people have on their careers, um, certainly in making compromises on those things, but that I've really been able to follow the right job. So, um, so I don't think I ever imagined I'd live in Pittsburgh, but I really love Pittsburgh. Um, I got a sewing machine two years ago and I now sew a lot of things and I wear things that I've made. And that's something I would not have ever expected and has been like a real joy, something that I've done in my, in my recent life. So, cool. yeah. Very cool. Wow. <clears throat> Claire, you do so many things. And as a proud native Pittsburgher, I just want to say, on behalf of this city, we are so <laughs> glad that you are here and have, <laughs> have kept such an open mind about all the adventures here. Um, so now kind of looking forward, we've got your backstory. We understand how it is that you've gotten to this point in time. As you look ahead, what are, what are one or two things that you are wrestling with? Yeah. Um... I right now in this very moment am wrestling with um, how I am both going to be a good teacher in distance learning that starts in T minus three days um, and also how I am going to support faculty in my role and think about students and their distance learning um, and somebody that I was talking to recently was likening it to like the anticipation you feel before the new school year starts, right? Like, is it, am I still, do I still know how to teach? Um, are these people at this new place going to like me? <laughs> um, am I going to, am I going to figure it all out? That's how I'm feeling right now. And I feel like that's how a lot of people in our faculty are feeling right now. So that's something that I'm wrestling with um, in the very immediate moment. Um, something that I'm wrestling with and in just like thinking about my career and my place in schools is how to um, use my privilege to help people who have less privilege um, and how to be an ally in um, fights to gain um, greater equity for uh, more diverse groups in schools mm -hmm. um, is something that I spend a little bit of time thinking about. And when you, um, I would imagine that with really both of those things, um, there's a lot of, uh, gosh, maybe not negativity, but it's really heavy, hard stuff. And it's hard to wrestle. And that's why you wrestle with it. And I, um, but like, so what are some of the things that keep you feeling hopeful? Because I think when you think about those big systemic challenges, it's easy to get real mired in all the, all the brokenness. What are some of the things that keep you feeling hopeful for the future? 
Yeah, you know, this uh, this social distancing world and the Zooming and the FaceTiming and the connecting with people online, like I, um, I think I'm, I'm hopeful right now that, um, that people are resilient, that um, this technology that sometimes we bemoan, you know, the smart board doesn't work, uh, teens are doing things on social media they shouldn't be doing, um, do we even know how to talk anymore or entertain ourselves when we are waiting for our takeout order and we just open our phone and we put it in front of us? Um, I have really been um, moved by um, the last couple of weeks and the power of technology to connect us. So um, whether that's like Yo-Yo Ma um, playing the cello and all of these gorgeous pieces, or, you know, uh, Lauren and I both watched an Indigo Girls uh, live stream concert. That was a real dream. Or like, I'm just, I'm trying every day to like Zoom or FaceTime or call somebody who's important in my life to make a connection. And it's like one of my grad school friends who I haven't talked to in several years called me the other day. Just like, I think the connections that, that technology can give us um, is is something that really makes me feel hopeful. Yeah. And yeah. so thinking about all, all that hope, um, do you have any goals for yourself at this point or do you, would you be willing to share what one, one future goal you have? Yeah. Um, so I think being new in a school um, and being in a role that I've never been in before. I feel like I've spent a lot of time this year um, listening and learning and asking questions and, you know, making the occasional bumble and, and figuring it all out. And I hope that I can move into a position where I'm doing more leading of people. Um, you know, maybe that's a goal for, as I think about like the next 12 months of, um, you know, not just doing this, the um, distance learning or um, asking people how distance learning is going, but doing more guiding um, and feeling more confident in that. Cool. Okay, so we're going to pivot a little bit and we're going to move into our lightning round. Ooh la la. Very exciting. So these are short answer kind of questions to some prompts. Uh, so what's one thing that you have changed your mind about? Man, this lightning round, um, got deep fast. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was hoping for favorite color. Um, one thing I've changed my mind about. Um, I think sometimes, well, I'll, I'll tell this story. This is, I'm not lightning rounding. You can lightning round. <laughs> but you can't lightning round me. Um, one of my closest friends is the high school principal at um, a school in Nashville called University School of Nashville. And we started out teaching around the same time at the same school. And he was a person who, like I would be in my office, you're not gonna be surprised based on what you've heard from this interview so far. I've been in my office like diligently working, practically like getting things done. And he would be like wandering around and talking to people and like, eating the chocolates at the desk of the administrative assistant in the whatever office. And I'd go make copies and I'd come back and he'd still be there. And um, one thing that he has taught me is that um, doing a job is not all getting work done. 
it is building relationships along the way. Wow. Okay. Excellent. I'm, <laughs> how about one thing you, you are hopeful for in the world, in schools, in general? Um, I am hopeful that um, kindness prevails, even in really stressful times. Okay. And if you were to have a superpower, or maybe you have a secret weapon, <laughs> what is it or what would it be? So a teacher at my previous school watched me have an interaction with a stressed out uh, co-worker very early on at, at my time at Kincaid and came up to me afterwards and told me that I was a secret hostage negotiator. So that's my <laughs> secret superpower. Um, I am ready to talk people down off a cliff, metaphorical or maybe literal. Nice. Uh, and when you are about to walk into class, say, and, and teach, is there a, is there a song? Do you have a walkout song? that's like playing your head, like you're going in and you're like, you got this, or like, it's a big moment. You, maybe it's a department chair meeting and you have to, or maybe it's the full faculty and you have to give us a little talk of some sort is there a song that that you kind of get psyched song so this is a hard question for a person whose favorite genre is like female singer songwriters because <laughs> it's real hard to get pumped up on the female singer songwriter um it's not closer to fine or I mean, that um, would be pretty great okay i'm gonna pick something dolly parton um Ooh. i'm gonna i'm gonna pivot to that she is so when you turn this into a real podcast, you can play this song over it. I'm sure that you can get, there's no royalties involved, but she's got a song called Here I Am. I would, uh, I'll walk out to that. That's good. Nice, nice. How about favorite food or the best thing that you've eaten? My favorite thing to eat right now, and it feels like even more of a luxury because I'm not supposed to leave my apartment very much, is uh, Noodle Heads Chiang Mai Curry sub tofu, add broccoli, um, you know, best eaten uh, in the Noodlehead restaurant, but an acceptable second choice is on your couch. Big fan of Noodlehead myself. Oh, good, I'll, good, yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. And last lightning round question, what book, uh, a book that you've read recently and enjoyed? So I read a book, um, over the summer that I loved. I actually listened to the audiobook, so the author was reading it, and I think that was part of what made it really powerful. Um, the author is Kiese Lehman, and the book is called Heavy, and it's a memoir. Um, and it's a memoir of, he was like the fat kid, uh, and it's a memoir of growing up overweight um, and black and, um, from in a low income family with not very supportive parents. Um, but it's, um, it's, he's a beautiful writer. He's a professor now of English or creative writing or something at, um, at a, a college in New England. Um, but it's this, it, it was one of those books where there were so many parts of his experience that I couldn't relate to not having a supportive family or growing up black in the South. But, um, but the way that he talked about struggling with his weight um, in his life, there were things, you know, it, it was really cool to be able to hear somebody whose life is so different from mine have had a similar experience 
um, and, and, and say something in a way where you're like, oh yeah, that's how I felt at that point in my life too. So I would recommend that book to everybody. Well, Claire, I, I knew that when we were going to have you on the podcast, we were going to get a lot of stories and a lot of gems. And um, as we draw this interview, and that's just been totally true, um, as we draw this conversation to a close, um, the final question is really about actionable challenge. What is one actionable personal challenge for anyone listening um, something you challenge us to do better in this community and out in the world. Leave us with something. Um, I would say that um, you, can, you can't always appreciate it in the moment what uh, an education gives you, uh, right? Like how um, profound it's going to be or how it's going to impact your life. But I think I would say... Um, to, to try to take some time to reflect on what Shadyside has meant to you as a student or as a faculty member or as a member of the community um, and to try to pay that forward um, in your next adventure. Ooh. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Claire. That was fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond Hello. There's no greater way for us to understand one another in our worlds than to connect through our stories and experiences. Be sure to check out the highlights and details from each conversation in the episode notes. You can also drop us a line at beyondhellopodcast at gmail.com to share your thoughts and ideas with us. We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all who have helped us with this project, including, but not limited to, James Knox for his technical production expertise, Chase Maybald, Shadyside Class of 2018, and Mason Tomlin, Shadyside Class of 2020 for music production, Nancy Wang, Shadyside Class of 2021 for our artwork, and the countless hosts of various podcasts that have inspired us to step up and create one of our own. I'm Lauren Lieberman. And I'm Chad Green. And we thank you sincerely for going with us beyond hello.